and pro This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The date was July 25, 1951. General Douglas MacArthur addressed the Massachusetts State Legislature in Boston. Here is what he said. It is not of any external threat that I concern myself but rather of insidious forces working from within, which have already so drastically altered the character of our free institutions. These institutions, which formerly we hailed as something beyond question of challenge, those institutions we proudly call the American way of life. We're going to take a look more at what General MacArthur had to say, but let me just make this statement before we move further. There is an insidious false gospel that is rapidly taking over America. It is led by a false messiah, the spirit of a false messiah, whose name is Karl Marx. Karl Marx. And we're seeing Marxism spread like wildfire throughout the country. We're seeing that the majority within the Democratic Party are Marxist to one degree or another. We're seeing that even many pro, uh, Republicans are Marxist in their theologies, in their, their way of looking at politics and solutions. And we also understand that at least half of our young people, 30 years of age and younger, are, for all practical purposes, Marxist in their beliefs. We have a big problem ahead. It's called Marxism. It is a false message, a false gospel, from a materialistic messiah called Karl Marx. And we're going to take a look at that materialistic messiah here today on Viewpoint. Who would have ever believed Karl Marx being seen as a messiah? But in fact, I have before me a book titled Karl Marx, The Materialist Messiah. I didn't even know about this book until today. And interestingly, as I was preparing for today's program and also considering the further writing on my current book, Messiah, Unveiling the Message, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, this concept of Marx as Messiah dropped into my mind, into my heart, and I realized, yes, indeed, this is a false gospel that is competing. It is a false messiah, messiah uh, messianism, that is competing for the gospel of Jesus Christ and giving a completely different hope, a secular hope, to the world. And so we want to inspect that here today on Viewpoint. I hope you'll stay tuned. As always, it's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And <clears throat> while there's going to be a great deal of information that you're going to hear today, some of which perhaps you've never heard before, because there's so much talk about Karl Marx, so much talk about Marxism, 
but very little talk about what it means, what its implications are. Everybody may have their ideas, but if we really understood that Marxism is in competition for the gospel of Jesus Christ with a counterfeit master usurping the concepts of Christianity for its own gospel, twisting them, turning them. And today, we opened with the words of General Douglas MacArthur, who saw early on, back in 1951, this invasion of Marxism that was taking over America, and he said it is the insidious forces working from within our country which have already so drastically altered the character of our free institutions. He went on to say, as it happens, there could be here no compromise with atheistic communism, no halfway in the preservation of freedom and religion. It must be all or nothing. He warned in his farewell address to Congress on April 19, 1951, the communist threat is a global one. Under no circumstances must Formosa, that is Taiwan, fall under communist control. One must understand the changes in Chinese character and culture. China, up to 50 years ago, followed the tenets of the Confucian, idea, Confucian ideal of pacifist culture. But at the turn of the century, under the regime of Chang Tso Lin, it produced the start of a nationalistic urge, and this has produced a new and dominant power in Asia, which for its own purposes is allied with the Soviet Union, Soviet Russia, which, but which in its own concepts and methods has become aggressively imperialistic with a lust for expansion and increased power. Bear in mind this was written in 1951. How is it? that our politicians today don't get it. How is it that Joe Biden and his son and those within the Democratic Party want to do a dance with China and think somehow it makes no difference, just get their products, get their money? Oh, no, you're actually selling your soul. General MacArthur went on to say Chinese communists support the Northern Koreans as the dominant one. Their interests are parallel with those of the Soviet. But he said, I believe that the aggressiveness recently displayed not only in Korea, but also in Indochina and Tibet are pointing potentially toward the South reflects predominantly the same lust for the expansion of power, which has animated every would-be conqueror since the beginning of time. And so... MacArthur concluded in that speech saying there are some who, for varying reasons, would appease Red China. They are blind to history's clear lesson that appeasement just begets new and bloodier war. It's like blackmail. It lays the basis for new and successively greater demands until, as in blackmail, violence becomes the only other alternative. Again, General Douglas MacArthur. He was a profoundly strong leader for America. One wonders why Harry Truman removed him. 
But then again, we know why. Because Harry Truman did not have the gumption to oppose China. Just like our current president does not have the gumption to oppose China. And the longer we wait, the worse and more dangerous it becomes. But what's at the root of it all? Is it China? Is it Russia? Is it Korea? No. It's Marxism. That is what's at the root of it all. So MacArthur warned in a speech to the Salvation Army on December 12, 1951. We're going to share that with you when we get back and then take a deeper look, as some call it a deeper dive, into this matter of Marxism and why indeed it is a messianic movement of the secular sort. This is Viewpoint. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're taking a look at messianic Marxism. That may seem a strange alliance of words, messianic Marxism, but indeed there is much truth there, and if we do not understand it, we will be deceived by the inexorable move toward ultimate Marxism. General Douglas MacArthur warned in a speech to the Salvation Army on December 12, 1951, stating, History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political and economic decline. There has been either a spiritual awakening to overcome the moral lapse or a progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. That's where we are today, isn't it? MacArthur, who considered himself a soldier of God as well as of the Republic, concluded his address to the Massachusetts State Legislature that we started with. That occurred July 25, 1951. He said, We must unite in the high purpose that the liberties etched upon the design of our life by our forefathers be unimpaired and that we maintain the moral courage and spiritual leadership to preserve inviolate that mighty bulwark of all freedom, our Christian faith. That Christian faith is being supplanted, friends, by an alternative faith presenting itself in Christianized arguments called Marxism. And today, we take a deeper look at this matter of Marxism. For many years, the word socialism and Marxism have been practically synonyms There could be no ampler proof of the greatness of Karl Marx than this simple fact. And over a large part of the old world today, socialism is the dominant political issue. And in the parliament bodies of several nations, its leaders are conspicuous for their ability no less than for their earnest devotion and courage for socialism. Throughout the world, 
the movement of socialism has a voting strength of nearly 10 millions, representing probably at least five times as many human beings. It is the driving force in our world other than the Christian faith. Or might, some might say, and also other than the Muslim faith. Socialism. Marxism. That is also has a messianic fervor about it. And this is the reason why one writer called Karl Marx the materialistic messiah. Another has a lengthy article called Karl Marx the Messiah. Karl Marx the Messiah. Does he really believe that Karl Marx is the Messiah? No. The writer actually believes that Karl Marx saw himself as the Messiah. A different kind of Messiah. A secular Messiah that ultimately would lead the world to a kind of self-salvation. And so that's where we get the whole idea of socialism. It is an ism. We have many isms today that are guiding our world, that are uh, intervening, finding their way to creep into the Christian faith that once guided our country and once guided the church in our country. And now we find from pulpit to pew, the church house to the White House and the schoolhouse and the courthouse, possibly your house, we find Marxist ideas and ideals that are becoming more and more persuasive and have virtually overtaken our universities and colleges, yes, even Christian universities and colleges. I hate to say it, but it is true. In order to try to be popular, in order to try to keep up with the movement of popular culture, our Christian institutions, churches, schools, colleges, universities have been gradually assimilating Marxist concepts into their teaching, into uh, their uh, even their dogma, in their practices, and in many instances, they don't even really realize the fullness of the deception that they're involved in. And you can call socialism and communism, uh, fascism, all of these isms, we can call them political isms, but they're more than that. They're spiritually driven. And that's what we need to focus on here today. Not the politics of it, but the spiritual motivation behind it. Because if we do not understand that, we will very likely succumb. And it's moving very, very quickly. Political isms are deceptive. All isms are deceptive. And as with all other isms, precisely because they're wrapped around an element of truth, political isms tend to extract authority from humanism or naturalism, that is, evolution, making specific application in the realm of government and economics, which affect untold millions or billions of people on our planet, and increasingly more and more today. So as we move forward, we're going to see here today this uh, slight, the spiritual sleight of hand 
It's enabling this deception to be woven around a thread of truth. Now, bear in mind, let's put this in perspective right up to today, right up to the last six months. You see, upon the election of Joe Biden, forgetting the discussion of whether or not he was legitimately elected, just assuming that he was legitimately elected and the fact that he does at this moment purport to hold the highest office in the land. When he was elected, when he took that position, John Kerry, former presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, former Secretary of State, former Senator, declared that the election and inauguration of Joe Biden was the the determining factor to open the door for the Great Reset. Now, the Great Reset, as you know, is the title, the euphemistic title given to the New World Order that has been set up and devised by the World Economic Forum under Klaus Schwab. The new... the. Uh, World Economic Forum, in promoting the Great Reset, created the phrase, Build Back Better. You remember that phrase, Build Back Better? When Joe Biden adopted that phrase and used it as his campaign slogan, very few people understood that he actually had taken it from the World Economic Forum, and the Great Reset or World Government Movement. It was not his slogan. It was the slogan to declare the direction of his administration to prepare the way to move America into a new world government. In other words, to diminish the nation of America as we have known it so that it could be readied economically, uh, spiritually, politically, in every way could be readied to merge into this new world order. In order for that to happen, those matters that uh, had been dominant, uh, dominating in America, the economics, capitalism, the Christian faith, all of those things had to fall. They had to be diminished. And that's what we've been seeing happen in spades for the past six months. It is a full court press to diminish the America that General Douglas MacArthur was talking about in 1951 and was warning about the insidious nature of what was creeping in behind the scenes. Now, what is interesting is that one year before General Douglas MacArthur made his speech in Massachusetts, Jean-Paul Wardberg addressed the United States Congress and said, we will have world government, and we will have it whether you want it or not. You will either cooperate in helping to facilitate it, or it would be brought on by force.
That was 1950, my friend. So what we're seeing now is a fulfillment of that which was already in dramatic motion, as testified to by General uh, Douglas MacArthur in 1951 and by John Paul Warburg in 1950. Five years after I was born, the forming of the United Nations was the initial, more dramatic expression of this movement toward a new world, complete world government to change everything that the world has known and to basically bring about the rebuilding of the Tower of Babel, the original Tower of Babel, but in spades, on steroids. The fulfillment of the spirit of the Tower of Babel that God decried and considered an abomination. So let's take a look. Rather than spending time looking and and talking about Marxism in its practical expressions in our society, let's continue on identifying the spiritual roots. Again, if we do not understand the spiritual connection and roots, we will be deceived. The likelihood is that the majority of Americans, including Christian Americans, will ultimately find themselves seduced into some form of Marxism. It's very powerfully persuasive. Uh, Socialism is very powerfully persuasive, almost solemnly seductive to the natural mind. It kind of carries with it somewhat of a, a spiritual aura of doing good to all men. In fact, its proponents, while denying the authority of Scripture and the existence of a creator, actually will argue the authenticity of socialism by appealing to the Bible for authority. But what's wrong with it? Well, one of the things that's wrong with Marxism, socialism is the modest demonstration of Marxism that leads to communism, which is the ultimate Good replaces God, or perceived good replaces God. So social reformers love socialism, because socialism, which is a mild form of Marxism, is a systematized substitute for the unselfish love and compassion that God desires to flow from your heart and from mine to those made in his image. You know, like the Apostle Paul said, let's do good unto all men, especially to those who are the household of faith. So the unborn again, the unregenerate or biblically unbalanced human mind rationalizes in response like this. Well, if we should do good to all men, why not devise a society to compel all to do good so as to achieve a so-called just society? Isn't that what we're hearing from Black Lives Matter? Isn't that what we're hearing from Antifa? Isn't that what we're hearing from the Democrat Party? Isn't that what we're hearing from the progressives? Isn't that what we're hearing, 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 and hearing from the news media? The problem is that compulsion replaces conviction. Marxism, while seemingly driven by principles, is in reality driven by pragmatism. The purported good ends 
justify ignoring the heart-driven means which, from God's viewpoint, are as important as the ends. So for the socialist or Marxist, force then ends up supplanting faith, and compulsion replaces heart conviction. Next, it is revealed in a shift of our trust. Marxism and socialism, which is its political application, is revealed in a shift of trust. So, think about it. The farther both America and the entire West have drifted away away from the biblical roots of Judeo-Christian convictions, the more we embrace socialism as a deceptive substitute to accomplish care in the social order. What's the the consequence of that? Our trust has been stolen. From God to government. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Marxism shifts our trust from God to government. In fact, Marxism is godless. It is a godless religion. Marx despised religions, but we're going to see in the next segment of the program here that communism can be reduced to a secularized form of, well, eschatological religion, characterized by a set of dogmas. That's right. It's pretty amazing. And you need to stay tuned because what you're about to hear, you may not have heard or may not hear anywhere else. Because everybody wants to talk about the political and social ramifications and economic ramifications of Marxism. Here, we're talking about the more fundamental belief system that drives it all. And you see, that's why it's so seductive, because people will look at promised results rather than the reasons behind them. And that's where the seduction comes. A shift of trust is a big, big deal, because what God ultimately is after is our trust. And so Marxism is designed to compel all inhabitants of the earth to receive the ultimate mark of Marxism to secure the final utopian provision. We call it the mark of the beast. And the great reset or the new global world government that is being uh, foisted upon the world is actually Marxist. That's what it is. 
Why do you think that Klaus Schwab, the head of the New World, or, excuse me, of the uh, World Economic Forum, said that when the Great Reset is finally put in place, you will own nothing and you'll be happy about it. You will own nothing and you'll be happy about it. In other words, the state becomes your new provider, your God. And the proletariat that Marxism was supposed to be benefiting, everybody on the planet becomes a member of the proletariat, having nothing. And the government provides all your needs according to its riches and glory by Karl Marx. Another consequence of socialism, which is Marxism in operation, is that love for people is lost. The genuine love of the Lord birthed in a love for one another is not part of Marxism. Marxism is goal-oriented rather than heart-oriented. And, of course, the big kahuna, kahuna is that government replaces God. So why should we be surprised at Satan's counterfeit in socialism or Marxism? We shouldn't be surprised at all. So America has been involved in a dramatic drift, a, a spiritual drift, for ever since World War II. Nature abhors a vacuum. And so that vacuum is being filled by Marxism. And our universities and our colleges have been teaching and promoting this for 40, 50 years. I've watched it happen. From the inside out, now, communism is the natural progression of socialism. It is the ultimate expression of Marxism. So even as socialism is a synthetic substitute for loving your neighbor, so communism presents a synthetic utopian government to enforce the perceived wonders of synthetic love through socialism on nations and the world. And it seems almost biblical. After all, didn't the book of Acts, uh, the apostles say that they had all things in common, selling their possessions and so on? So when the, where's the deception then? How does communism present a counterfeit? Marxism, why is it counterfeit? Why has it become so persuasive, dominating nearly a third of the planet and even more so now? Well, in reality, broadly speaking, Communism is a governmental belief system in which property used for production of goods and services is owned by a community or group instead of an individual. Ultimately, communism effectively becomes a secular surrogate church. And the state is what you worship. Because the state is what provides all of your needs. Force replaces faith. Karl Marx and Lenin understood this, and that was establishing the communist doctrine. And everywhere it has happened, 
taken hold, that is how it has happened. Interestingly, communist doctrine was rooted in the Communist Manifesto in 1848, just as evolution, an alternative creator, was about to be presented to the world through Charles Darwin in 1859. Notice the trajectory of history. So with communism, again, government supplants God. We're unified by common good rather than God. Communism supposedly seeks the common good for the community. But having denied a creator God also fails to recognize man's sin nature. And that's why it necessitates a totalitarian government to compel men to do what God desires from the heart. And then ultimately, because it doesn't work, ultimately, ignores the sin nature of man, and the government becomes a surrogate God, promising to meet all human need with with equality for all, socialism then merges with communism to create one of mankind's greatest efforts to be governed without God, and hope turns into horror. Hope turns into horror. Now, if you want to uh, find out a little bit more about those aspects, then I urge you to get a copy of my book, Seduction of the Saints, Staying Pure in a World of Deception. Now, the book doesn't talk primarily about socialism or about Marxism. That's just one small aspect of this book. It is a book written specifically for our times, for God's people, to avoid the deception and the seduction that Jesus said is going to come upon the earth so great that if it were possible, even the very small remnant elect would be deceived. Seduction of the Saints, Staying Pure in a World of Deception. It's an $18 book. Yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Seduction of the Saints. I don't think you're going to be disappointed when you get that book. Read it slowly. Ponder it. Very practical. Intensely practical. Now, we're going to shift for a moment to take a look at the messianic aspect of Karl Marx. The messianic aspect of Karl Marx. Again, as I was preparing for today's program... I just went on the Internet and found this book called Karl Marx, The Materialist Messiah. I haven't read it, but I thought that title is very powerful and tells us that we need to know something more about this fellow Karl Marx because what he stood for and is propounding in today's world is desperately Deceptive because it appears to be messianic. And now I have in my hand another article. This is not a book. This is an article called Karl Marx, the Messiah. And I want to share with you 
uh, some highlights from this uh, five-page article. Just some, some highlights. So please stay tuned, because what you're about to hear and the framework in which you're about to hear it is very likely something you have never heard before or unlikely to hear elsewhere, on any talk show, anywhere. The prophet, Karl Marx, notice the term, the prophet. He's referred to as a prophet, a secular prophet. The prophet, Karl Marx, arrived with the aim to save the least of society, the proletarians, that is, the workers, through the establishment of the new covenant, the dictatorship of the proletariat. Notice the words that this writer is framing this with. The prophet, salvation, the new covenant, and the lordship or dictatorship of the proletariat. Marxism is an eschatological belief that is a doctrine of end times. The future, end times, eschatology. Marxism is an eschatological belief. It exists on an original promise, the establishment of a new material and moral order where the proletariat, that is the workers, will regain their humanity. The dictatorship of the proletariat is that eschatological meaning driving the Marxist credo. The Marxist revolution or communist revolution represents an operative cultural event that is perfectly comparable to the process of Christian evangelization. While the dictatorship of the proletariat is the ultimate goal, the supreme materialization of the Marxist political thought. Marxism does not only resemble a religion, it is a clear religious account based on hope, the most recurrent form of religious commitment. Do we have your attention yet? And we're just starting. Next we'll find Marxism is a religion. Without God, of course. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Marxism is a religion because it existed as a form of intellectual moral commitment whose ultimate goal was the establishment of a new human order 
Think New World Order, Great Reset, a new human order based on a transcendent set of moral principles. Marxism is a religion because it was a congregational phenomenon characterized by a strong structural brotherhood which looked for a broad commitment transcending any geographical boundary. What makes Marxism a secular form of religion is its strong material background. In other words, Marxism looks for material satisfaction rather than spiritual perfection. Now, this is one of the reasons, friends, why the Jewish people historically have been so caught up with Marxism, even in Israel today. Socialism and Marxism have the Jewish people by the throat. Now, here's the reason why. They rejected their Messiah, but they want to do good in the world. They're looking for some foundational thought, idea, principle, that will help them fulfill their concept of tikkun olam, which is the redemption of the world through good works. And Marxism lines up so closely to that expectation. And so Marxism and its political manifestations and economic manifestations of socialism, and then ultimately for many communism, is very attractive. In fact, it almost sounds a lot like rabbinic Judaism and certainly reform Judaism. Now you can understand perhaps why 75% or so of Jewish people in America vote Democratic, because the Democratic Party is Marxist, more so than ever. We're answering some questions here that will help us to understand why things are the way they are. The problem is that many Christians now are going the way of Marxism. For one, they don't trust God. They have been led to look for other answers. The God ruling in Marxism is the proletariat itself, that is the workers. In Marxism, the proletariat adores and celebrates itself through the achievement of a new political consciousness crowning the working class as the natural leader of the society. While Christianity proclaims its followers, the Christians, as the legitimate administrators of the world, because ambassadors of the word of God, Marxism depicts the proletarians as those natural revolutionary human vehicles called to give birth to a new society where all the subjectivities are at the same qualitative level. Hence, have you heard the word equity now? It's not about equality anymore, it's about equity. This is where it comes from, Marxism. While Christians are legitimized by God and his revelation, the proletariat self-legitimizes itself through its self-consciousness. The proletariat represents a divine agent in virtue of its inherent revolutionary power that exists as the only possible force able to create a just moral order. In other words, the new so-called just moral order has to be created by force. 
may I suggest to you, you may not want to hear this, but one of the primary things that is being used by the United States government, in fact, governments throughout the world, using the COVID-19 situation, using it to advance the cause of Marxism to prepare the citizenry for the new global order. Ultimately, it's not about health. It's about a new gospel, the evolutionary gospel of Marxism. Marxism itself is nothing but sheer resentment. The resentment of the proletariat, that is the workers, toward the bourgeoisie, that is those who own the means of production, representing the first cause of everything. This resentment is the true emotional essence animating communism. I want you to think about what has been stirred up in the last year. Through Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the Democratic Party, I want you to think about what they have done. Intentionally, stirred up resentment. That's what the new January 6th commission is about. It's not about finding truth. It's about stirring up resentment. In order to bring into retribution and domination... 75 million people that voted for Donald Trump. They're hated because they resist the concept of a new world order and Marxism. Marxism exists as a messianic force whose mission is to transcend the moral and material contradictions distinguishing the community. In this scenario, Marx actually is the savior. In other words, Marxism should be conceived as that ultimate answer called to solve an entire historical era. It's nothing but messianism, an eschatological religion. While the fathers of Christianity intended the process of evangelization as a gradual and peaceful phenomenon of intellectual moral conversion, Marxism conceives the intellectual conversion of its affiliates as a determinate process that, in order to be valid, must be followed by a virulent form of political activism, destructive rather than constructive. Isn't that what we're seeing? That's what the last year has been all about, my friend. Marxism is characteristic by a clear list of original dogmas equalizing communism to a form of religion. In communism, the proletariat is destined to lead the society in virtue of its inherent and salvific socio-political mission. For Marx, the proletariat is not a salvific agent, that is, an agent of salvation, but the salvific agent itself. Not an agent, but the proletariat, the worker, is the salvation a human organism whose revolutionary function cannot be replaced by other possible candidates. The working class has the right to revolutionize society, giving birth to a new order because it is the majoritarian party. 
In other words, might makes right. Simplistically, the utilitarian dogma of Marxism simplistically depicts the proletariat, the workers, as the most natural political leader of the society by virtue of their sheer numbers. Has nothing to do with qualification, has nothing to do with any of those things. Communism is dogmatic in virtue of its inherent and continuative commitment to the idea that the voice of the majority is always the most genuine and competent. Thus, the methodologies of production and ownership of the means of production are fundamental preconditions that model the Marxist society. Now, what is this saying? This is saying that it's calling for what you might hear from the Democratic Party, or the Democrat Party, pure democracy. Our founders despised pure democracy, friends. We do not have a democracy. We have a democratic republic. In other words, they did not trust what Karl Marx was declaring. They knew the supreme dangers of pure democracy, the absolute unfettered rule of the majority. And so they gave us checks and balances three different branches of government to check one another, and then also an electoral college to further check and balance, to protect us against the tyranny of absolute majority, which is what Marxism is seeking. That's why you hear this mantra continually from Democrat leaders calling for pure democracy. They do not want a working republic. They want an absolute domineering control. Communism is the next era in the historical progress of the human community and can be accomplished only by the Marxist worldview. What is going to happen, what is being put in place through the new, the Great Reset, setting, setting up the New World Order, is a form, a blended form of Marxism with socialism and communism to change everything that the world has ever known and certainly to change everything that Americans have ever known. It is a radically godless invention. It is their effort, their ability, through a Marxist enterprise to save the world rather than people being saved by grace through faith. No, this is being saved by government through force or threat of force. You see the difference? 
Marx realized that a prediction of the mystic type declaring how his communist doctrine is, without any doubt, the ultimate and most sophisticated form of economic political organization, one destined to replace capitalism and conquer the world. It will bring mankind to a higher moral and material dimension, able to purify the human community of its structural contradictions. Purify. Purify the world. I thought that's exactly what Jesus was supposed to do when he comes to rule the world in righteousness, to judge the world in righteousness. He's coming to purify the world. The Apostle Peter said he's going to purify the world by fire, to bring judgment upon the unrighteous. So how are the Marxists going to purify the world? Well, let me give you an idea. Because the New Age religion, those who promote New Age messianism, also promote Marxism. And here's what they say. When you read my new book, Messiah, unveiling the the mystery of the ages, your eyes are going to be open wide. But here's what the New Agers say. Everybody must conform. If you will not conform to this new global consciousness... you will be selected out. That's their euphemistic term for removed from the planet. Are you beginning to get the picture? Isn't that exactly what communism has done everywhere it's gone? Look at the untold millions of people that were destroyed in the perpetuation of Marxist-Leninist theology in Russia and in China and in Cuba and in Korea and everywhere it has gone. And now it's on its way to America and the whole world. Thanks for joining us here today on Viewpoint. I hope this has been helpful to understand what's going on. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception, $15 on our website, saveus.org. Become a partner, friends. Tell others about the program. Let's get the message out. We're preparing the way of the Lord. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.